Welcome to Retiring Today, the podcast that guides you to and through retirement. I'm Molly Nelson, hosting this podcast. Here is Rochelle Smith. She's the producer. Lauren Merkel is with us. He's a certified financial fiduciary, a retirement income certified professional, and a certified... Financial planner. Financial planner. An important distinction. I think you already said that. You might have. Uh, So many distinctions. But you know what? We have another distinction on the (laughs) podcast today. It's Haley... Gutchen Ryder. She's a retirement planner and she is joining us for the very first time on the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Haley. Great to be here, Molly. Thanks. Haley, you picked an interesting topic to join us for because I just first, guys, I just want to talk about January. We live in the Midwest. Every January, I think to myself, why am I here? Do you guys do that? Or are you guys just so happy with January in the Midwest? Do you love it? No, I, I, February is the worst. February. That's but, but at least it only has 28 days and March is next. So the worst part about January is we know February is next. <laughs> well, and February is the shortest month. I like it. it. Okay, good. the longest. It does. So. I actually keep my Christmas tree up in January just to get me through January. Smart. Because I don't love January. Yeah, so this January, you guys, we had five Mondays. I saw somebody post that on social media and I thought, apropos. So, okay, here in the Midwest, in case you're not listening from the Midwest, here's what happens. We get through Christmas. It's a ton of fun. And then January hits. And this January, I, th- I think my children have already missed two full days of school because it was so stinking cold. I was like, mm. they can get there. We've had several <laughs> late starts. I mean. It's not like the old days. It's not like the old days. Regardless. But no, then they, at the same time, we've had 40 degree days and it didn't feel like you needed to wear a coat. Wait, are you and your optimism. Okay, back to me and my pessimism. So I did look at my husband recently. I said, remind me again why he lives here. And he, he was not joking. He goes, Molly, I love it in Iowa because we do this. So in March, we can golf. Of course, that's where his head is at all times. Golf. At all times. Yeah. So we're surviving January here in the Midwest. But I don't care where you live. If you're watching the stock market, this January has been... What's the word, Lauren? What's the word to describe the stock market this January? You got one word. What is it? Volatile. Volatile. It's been volatile. It's a lot like the weather in Iowa or in the Midwest, where one day it could be minus 10 degrees, and the next day it could be Rochelle's 40-degree weather that she loves. Mm -hmm. I saw some of the headlines, you guys. Phrases like stock market slump. Dismal January. Bears beware. If you are a pre-retiree or retiree, you see these headlines, you hear the numbers, and we'll, we'll dive into some of the numbers, but you have a general idea by those headlines and by what Lauren said. The stock market has been going up. It's been going down. We're looking at the worst January since 2005, the worst month in losses since March of 2020, 12.5 decline. Lauren, what are the families and individuals that you work with saying to you about this? Well, they just have questions, but those numbers that you put out there, I think that's a good thing. I think I think that's a really nice indicator of how this this market works over the long term because it's easy for us to get sucked in. We turn on the news and or we read these articles or we read the headlines more likely and it sounds it sounds rather uh, rather gloom, but then we look historically at what has actually taken place, and we the the S and P five hundred in January is down about five percent, and that's the worst month that we've had in decades. This is the worst experience that we've had in the market in decades. Most of the time, the market does really well. So if the S and P five hundred, and we're talking about our family, so our families are within ten years of retiring or already retired. One of the things we talk about all the time is nobody can control the market. 
But what we can to do, to, what we can do to a large degree, is control how the portfolio reacts to the market. And most of our families don't want to be invested in 100% equities. And that's what the S and P 500. That's what the Dow Jones is. It's a hundred percent heavily concentrated equity portfolio. If that's what you're invested in, that's not what our families are invested in. So the S and P 500 is down five percent one month. Most of our families aren't down anywhere close to that in one month. And that's part of the, the benefit of putting an investment plan together with a retirement plan to make sure that you are insulated from the market. So if you're three years into retirement and you are delivering income from your portfolio, you know your lifestyle is not going to have to change or your lifestyle is not going to go up and down with the volatile market. Yeah, the Dow moved a thousand points in both directions in just one week in January. So we know that the families and individuals that we work with at Merkle Retirement Planning, they're not watching that and worrying about their retirement. But what about those people who don't have a retirement plan? Maybe the bulk of their retirement savings is in a 401k. Are, are they getting nervous? A lot of people are, uh, and this is it's, it's during these time frames that we hear stories of people going to cash. In fact, you you read articles about should we go to cash? Is this the time to go to the cash? This the we're going to see the worst uh, bear market or worst recession than we've we've seen. It's going to be even worse than the years two thousand, two thousand one, two thousand and two. So go to cash, protect, and and when things get really ugly, then you can get back in. So that a lot of people are trying to if they don't have a plan in place and. They don't see how their investment portfolio and how it's designed is going to work within their overall retirement objectives and how it's going to work with some of these other strategies that they could put into place. Then they're left with a lot of wonder and they're left with a lot of worry as all this other noise comes in and influences how they feel about what could take place. And one of the worst parts about going through some of the bad times is how bad is it going to get? right? They just don't know. So uh, there's a lot of questions out there. A lot of people are concerned. A lot of people are worried. We look at some of the international conflict that's taken place. There's a lot of uncertainty with that. There's a lot of uncertainty with the economy. There's a lot of uncertainty with the supply chain. And the uncertainty does heighten people's worry. And that's really, again, part of the big benefit of having a retirement plan is it provides certainty where there's uncertainty. It provides a vision for where there's lack of clarity in a vision. And it helps people maneuver through these bad times. And speaking of the noise, let's kind of define some of the noise, right? Because when you're reading these articles, Haley, you see words like correction, bear, and recession. And as, you know, just the common non-financial advisor that I am, some of those terms, I have a little bit of trouble. Which one should I worry about the most? So let's kind of, let's define those for people as they're, they're hearing these things about the market. It'll help. Yeah, so that's a great question. So a correction is, is when the value of a stock falls 10% or more from its recent 52-week high. So somewhere around 10 20%, the stock will fall, and that's going to be around our correction territory. A bear market is going to be 20% or more. And then when it comes to recession, we're not necessarily just overall concerned with only the stock market. That's more of an economic factor. So that's going to consist of two consecutive negative down quarters of, G of GDP. And so just like Lauren was saying, when we are tiptoeing in correction territory, really, we think of that as more of an opportunity to take advantage of that volatility. Um, you know, trust the investment strategies that you have in place. Trust the strategies, though, that you can actually optimize your investments by taking advantage of some of that volatility that you see during corrections. It seems to be big news when the Federal Reserve meets and what they do has an impact on the stock market. 
Lauren, I realize this could have like probably a three hour answer, but can you give me the high level kind of correlation between what the feds are doing and how that can impact what's going on with the stock market? Rochelle, start the clock. Okay, three (laughs) hours. Here we go. And don't even make one single, don't say inverse relationship or show me a graph or take me back to econ too at Drake because I... I, I can't well, what remember. What else are we going to do for three hours? No, just, just, just again, high level. Why it matters what the feds are doing? Because I know there is some correlation. Well, first of all, there's a lot of anticipation, uh, and the stock market trades less on fundamentals now than what it ever has before. There's a lot of retail money out, a lot of retail investors through the 401k plans and the employer plans. And so the stock market is emotionally charged more than what it ever has as people read the headlines, they get these feelings, and then they can start trading these massive portfolios. I mean, these 401k plans have never been bigger. And so people are making these decisions a lot of times emotionally, And when they sell positions, that impacts the stock market. And more people are selling than buying, the market goes down. More people are buying and selling, the market goes up. Um, So the anticipation of what the Fed does plays into this. Uh, And we really, we've been near zero interest rates for a decade. And so there's only one way for interest rates to go up. And when the Fed's getting together and they're talking about how they desperately want to increase interest rates, now it's just a matter of when. And recently, they started to talk about how they're going to increase them in March. So this is something that is on the horizon. It's going to happen sooner than later. And what that the worry is, is that this is not something that corporations are necessarily looking forward to. This is not something that governments, world governments, are necessarily looking forward to. Because what it does is it increases their debt service, which means that the interest that they're paying on their debt the interest rates that they pay on their debt are going to go up and it costs them more for this debt. So when we go through increasing interest rate environments, not talking about yields and inverse relationships, oh, Molly. Oh gosh. So we're going to spare you that. I was going to go that way, but fall I remember asleep. you told me not to. And we only have three hours, so. Buckle up. <laughs> Uh, but from a debt service standpoint, then companies can't leverage as much and governments can't leverage as much. Uh, and so, and it costs them for more for whatever leverage they do incorporate within their overall plan. So typically that does have a, a negative impact on the markets. And now the question is, is, is how much? How much are the Fed going to increase interest rates? Is it going to be a quarter percentage? Is it going to be a half a percentage? Those are really probably the two options that are on the table. And then what kind of impact short term does that really have on the market? I think I've mentioned before that at our house, we have six mouths to feed. We buy pork in bulk directly from a distributor, right? So we get pounds and pounds and pounds of bacon, right? Okay. I'm going somewhere to stay with me. Okay. (laughs) My mom calls me last night. She goes, you know, that bacon you guys buy in bulk. She goes, guess what it is at the store right now? Because, you know, I buy it in bulk oh, at, sure. a, at a much yeah, reduced rate. You have the rate. pig truck just back up to the door. Correct. And you, t- <laughs> you select your little piggy, and then you take it to the spigot, and you start carving off. And oh, mine gosh. actually comes through a, a brand name uh, distributor. We know somebody who works for this distributor. So uh, it, there is an apples-to-apples comparison at the store. It's the exact same brand. She goes, guess what it is at the store right now? I'm like, I don't know. I haven't had to buy it in six months. Eleven ninety nine a pound. I think in our bulk pork order, I paid two ninety nine a pound, maybe three yeah. or four months ago. That is the everyday example of inflation. And the reason I bring up inflation is because the reason the feds are talking about raising the interest rates is to combat inflation. We know the latest headlines are highest inflation rates in 40 years. 
And that's got to be something, Haley, that you guys are talking to families and individuals about a lot. It is. And honestly, talking about inflation is a bit of an ironic topic for us right now, because traditionally, when we talk about inflation, we call it this silent assassin. But right now, it doesn't feel so silent, not when prices are rising um, the fastest they have been in nearly 40 years. So I love to put the context behind it through coffee. I'm a coffee addict. I go to Starbucks every day. And I used to be able to buy a coffee for $5 with a milk alternative and an extra shot of espresso. And now that coffee's costing me $8 daily, and I can feel it that much more in my checkbook. So I like how Haley talks coffee. I talk bacon. <laughs> I'm not sure what that says. <laughs> that, just, that has a lot to say about us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so now we're seeing you know inflation, the worst it has been in 40 years, but it's also important to remember what it was, and it could be much worse. So as unwelcomed as it is today, you know, in the 80s, it was much higher. And so I think it's important to put some context around inflation when we when we relate that to the stock market, because in the 80s, um, you know, normally we're used to, to hearing about either leg warmers or parachute pants. But when I hear about the 80s in, in this industry, I hear about the double digit interest rates and how high inflation was. And when you look at the stock market performance back in, during some of the most highest inflationary periods that we had, there was still positive stock returns even back then. And so I think it's just important to kind of just take a step back, realize that inflation isn't always going to be negative, co negatively correlated with stock market returns. There's going to be a mixed impact. And so we don't want to quite hit that panic button here too soon because you're going to hear about inflation on the news. It doesn't always negatively correlate with what the stock market's doing. Yes, 7% in December of 2021, but in 1980, inflation hit 15%. Lauren, the families and individuals that you sit down with, they remember more than leg warmers about the 1980s. They remember mortgage rates that were that were paralleling these inflation rates, and they, they remember that time well. Well, we teach a lot of these classes, and we do talk about the 80s, and we talk about these high inflation rate time frames, and people's the people who attend these workshops, their memory is really good. And they talk about one of the questions that we ask is, uh, if you're willing to share, what's the highest interest rate you paid? So we're talking about the, the entire room. Who had the highest interest rate on the first home they purchased? A lot of times the first home they purchased was in the 80s. And we get, we get uh, answers like 10%, 12%. 16%, sometimes even north of 16%. Um, and so those are the environments that they, that a lot of people uh, grew up in, really. Uh, you know, as good as their memories are, though, I don't remember anybody ever talking about leg warmers in, <laughs> in the 80s. Maybe that's just what I desired about the 80s. <laughs> but, but they do remember the interest rates. And Haley's exactly right. Just because we have an increasing inflationary environment doesn't necessarily mean that the stock market is going to throw a temper tantrum for an, an extended period of time. There is going to be some short-term kickback. Uh, inflation can, is going to continue to get out of control, most likely. Uh, the Fed is increasing interest rates or, or signaling that they're going to increase interest rates to help stead off the impact of, of inflation. Um, but 
all of these things, these economic factors, whether it's GDP or it's inflation or it's the stock market, none of these things we can control. And so we can choose to worry about that kind of stuff because it does impact us, uh, but we can't control it. So what we try to focus on are the things that we can control. And that's why we spend so much time focusing on how much risk do you want to take? How much risk do you feel comfortable with taking? And we have this conversation on a consistent basis with our families to make sure that everybody understands, here's where you're at from a risk standpoint. If the market gets out of control in a negative way for a prolonged period of time, here's how your portfolio is going to react. What do you think? And our job here as retirement planners is to make sure that regardless of what the market does, they can hit their retirement objectives. So if the market's up, we're going through a really nice period of time like we have for the last 12 years, we need to hit our return targets. We need to exceed growth. We need to exceed inflation. We need to exceed taxation and we need to grow it a little bit. When we go through prolonged downturns, we need to make sure that the portfolio doesn't blow up and change what they're trying to do from a retirement objective standpoint. So we, we really have to focus on the things we can control and this other stuff. Yeah, it's nice to pay attention to sometimes as long as we don't get too caught up in it and it creates too much stress for us. Well, you know, when we don't get stressed is when the market goes on a nine or 10 or 11 year run. And what's happened is there is a record amount of millionaires right now in 401ks and IRAs. That's the stuff that, that, that as uh, the pre-retiree who's been pumping all this money into IRAs and 401ks, that's what you get excited about. Yes, the market has done really well over the last 10 to 12 years. And I think I think one of the, the things that's easy for us all to do is forget how we got to where we are right now. So that we, when we think back historically for the last 10 to 12 years about how the market's done, we tend to just remember the good times, that the market has been a steadily, steadily increase over that, that kind of time frame, where if we remember back, there were some struggles. There were some struggles and there were some temptations for people to make some really poor investment decisions. Uh, think back to 2013, everybody's talking about Greece and the debt crisis that Greece was having and how that was a, a, a picture of what the United States could go through or the rest of the world could go through if we continued on down the journey that we were going from a debt standpoint. Remember 2015, there were some oil situations. And then 2018, the 2018, the year was really volatile. We ha- actually had two corrections, two market corrections in that year, first quarter, And then if you remember December of 2018, the market was down double digits in that month alone. And all along the way, people were tempted to make poor decisions. And there was a lot of conversations about, should we go to cash? Should we go to cash? And there's a lot of doomsday theorists out there writing articles saying, this is going to be the worst recession we've seen in in our lifetime. So now's the time to protect, go to cash, do this, do this. And some people took the bait and they did that. And let's, let's, I remember 2015, a lot of people did in 15. The problem is, is when you get back in, because 2016 was a good year. 2017 was a good year. 2018, maybe, but it felt like it was kind of doomsday-ish. So are you going to get in when you think things are going to get really bad? Most people didn't. And then 2019 was a record year. 2020 ended up to be a real good year. 2021 was a fantastic year. And then here we are again. And things might seem a little bit dire with all the international conflict going on and all the uncertainty. So if you were on the sidelines in 2015, when do you get back in? So people who are considering going to cash right now have to make two really good decisions. When you get out and then when you get back in. And it's always that second decision that is the toughest decision to make. 
So that's why emotional investing can be so dire to your portfolio because it can single-handedly really ruin some of the returns that you could otherwise had if you would have just stayed in the market. So on average, investors' growth rates are terrible in comparison to the overall market returns. And the difference is being that we are investing with our emotions. So the markets, they're always going to go up and they're always going to go down. And in the end, we're not going to win in the market by trying to time when to get in and when to get out. And once you move money over to cash, you're really locking in and realizing those losses, which would have otherwise just been on paper had you stuck with the market, had you continued your long-term plan. And that's really kind of the importance of, of working with a planner and working with um, an investment strategy is as our, our, our role is to really help you see you through those volatile times so you're not making these emotional decisions with your investments. So Lauren, we have a new member of the podcast and she's adding new knowledge to the podcast, which is no surprise. Of course, she's a very smart retirement planner. Lauren, I've never heard you say this before, that investors don't perform as well as the stock market. Why? Most investors don't. And it's because it's act, the exact reasons that Haley was highlighting, emotionally driven decisions. And, and she pointed out the fact that people get emotional about their portfolio because it is their money. It's not only their money, it's a lifetime worth of saving. So they think about their portfolio in two different ways and it all goes into emotionally charging or charging their emotions as it relates to the decisions they make on their portfolio. They look at this, I and mean, again, our families are 55, 60, 70. They spend a lifetime developing this portfolio. So this is a lifetime of work for them but it also is the rest of their life and represents the ability for them not to have to work anymore. And they're really looking forward to a time where their money is working for them so they don't have to work. So all of that charges up an environment where when things get really dire and things feel really bad in the economy or in the news, then they all of a sudden want to make these knee-jerk reactions to protect their life savings and the rest of their life's ability to not work. And so they make these decisions. A lot of times they'll go to cash and they'll miss out on the ups. And there's all kinds of studies out there that prove this exact point where retail investors will perform almost fourfold less than what the indices will perform. So if we're just looking at the S&P 500 over the course of a 20 year time horizon, it will perform way better than the average retail investor because of those decisions that are made. So is that your role as a retirement planner to sort of prevent the people that you work with from making these emotional decisions? It's a, it's a big part of our job right now. And what I, what I kind of, what I'm worried about is I feel like we're kind of in a boiling pot where the temperature of this water is increasing steadily. And we're going to get to this boiling point. Uh, if you, if we rewind these podcasts uh, a couple years ago, or actually in 2021, so just last year, I was so proud about what happened in 2020, where we only had two clients, two families that we work with that wanted to go to cash. Only two over that time frame. And we, we went through an environment that we hadn't seen, an economic, uh, a stock market environment we haven't seen since the, since the Great Depression, which means none of us have seen it because we weren't alive for the Great Depression. And there was this, all this hype and uncertainty about what was going to happen with this global pandemic. And the stock market, in some days alone, we talked about how the uh, S&P 500 some weeks dropped 1,000 points. Some days, individual days alone in 2020, the stock market dropped 3,000 points. So we had incredible volatility, incredible uncertainty, and we only had two families that wanted to go to cash. Well, this year alone, 
I've already had two conversations sure. with families who want to go to cash. And I feel like that's just going to continue as this, as the temperature of this water continues to increase and we approach that boiling point. So you might be thinking, Lauren, I don't want to miss out in investing in the stock market. I don't want to make emotional decisions. I want to make you know decisions based in fact. Here is a great opportunity to talk to a retirement planner about your specific situation. It's a 15-minute complimentary retirement checkup call. You can schedule yours right now at MerkleRetire.com. That's M-E-R-K-L-E Retire.com. So Lauren, I think the takeaway of this whole thing is just what you said to the team uh, this week on, on Monday, or perhaps it was last week, these, this volatility was starting to come up in the market. And someone brought it up in the meeting that, you know, we're getting some calls and, and people are wondering what's going on. And you didn't even, you didn't even hesitate. You said, you guys, this isn't anything to worry about. This is an opportunity, an opportunity for the families and individuals that we work with. What did you mean by that? What I meant by that is if they, you have a plan in place, and our, of course our families do. So you're referencing the conversation that the team was having, and I was saying our families have an opportunity. They are prepared for this type of volatility. We have now been talking about this type of volatility for the last six months and have been prepping our families conversationally and within their overall portfolios, their investment plan, and their retirement plan. So this isn't anything that we should be scared about. The opportunity that presents itself is volatility means that there's going to be steeper increases in the market and steeper decreases. And it's those steeper decreases that we can really take advantage of to employ some of the strategies we have built within the portfolios. And one of those strategies is we can convert money from pre-tax dollars to the Roth dollars. So this is where the investment plan and the tax plan and the income plan go hand in hand. And a lot of times, or a lot of people are in a really good environment with tax rates on sale right now where they can take some money, pay a reasonable rate of tax on it. And if we can do that when the market's down, then when the market comes back up, they get all of that growth tax-free. So it's an incredible opportunity. That's one strategy. There's other strategies that we do employ within the portfolios. That's what I meant by opportunity. And the whole team knows these strategies that we have in place just waiting. So when people call and they're kind of panicky because they've been watching the news or talking to their coworkers or friends, it's our job then to provide some context and calm to an otherwise uh, situation, which, which again, I kind of feel like the nationally and even worldwide, the water's kind of boiling a little bit. So it's, uh, it's an opportunity for us to really provide value to our families in a way that we haven't really had to on a consistent basis for the last decade. And this is where uh, our families can really reap the rewards of having us on their team and having a intentional, customized, written retirement plan. And Haley, that's got to be one of the great parts about the job, to take maybe a fear or an anxiety about retirement in general. I mean, we again, today we haven't even talked about paying for the cost of health care or, or all of the other kind of things that can cause some anxiety as you move to and through retirement. But this specific situation, you can take that anxiety and say, hey, your plan was built for this. Yeah, absolutely. It is a very exciting time. And I even smile just thinking about what Lauren just said, because I remember times last March where our families were calling us not because they were panicked about what was happening in the markets, but because they understand how their portfolio is constructed. They understand the strategies behind the investments that we're utilizing. And they're calling us and saying, hey, is, is now go time? Is, is now the time to take advantage of the discounts that we see in the market and to buy in low 
And we're on the phone and we're having those conversations and we're saying, yeah, now is the time we've been waiting for. And, and really, that's, that's all we're getting at today is that this is going to present us more opportunities to do in the future. But I love how it's a cohesive plan that we work on it with our families together and that they understand just like we do what strategies we want to implement in these type of market environments. Now may be go time for you to talk to a retirement planner. Again, here's a great opportunity, a 15-minute retirement checkup call. It's complimentary. You can schedule yours right now by going to MerkleRetire.com. That's M-E-R-K-L-E, Retire.com. Haley, you're coming back on the podcast. That's all there is to it. Absolutely. All right. Yeah. She's bringing all the great information, all of the great ideas. Lauren will be back as well. Rochelle and myself, we're going to be doing a lot more podcasts. So subscribe, tell a friend, and thanks for listening to Retiring Today. Merkle Retirement Planning is an independent financial services firm helping individuals create retirement strategies using a variety of investments and insurance products to custom suit their goals and objectives. Any information discussed in these shows is for educational purposes only and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice. Investment advisory services are offered through Elite Retirement Planning, LLC. Insurance services are offered through MRP Insurance, LLC. Boom. Nice job. Haley. There we go. Good nice job, job, Haley. Did that feel good? Yeah, it did. It got it got better as it went on. <laughs>